Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning back in for part two of holiness, imputed or added. Have we been gifted holiness, or is it something that we have to do something to add to our lives? We're not talking about earning salvation. We're not talking about earning God's favor or goodness or kindness because we we do something good enough to get it, but we're talking about covenantal promises, and covenantal blessings, and a, a, a heart's posture and desire to be found pleasing in the eyes of my Father. Why? Because He's deserving. Because He sent Himself, the Emmanuel reality, in the form of a man to look like me, walk like me, talk like me, and to purchase me to come back into His fold to be redeemed, to be restored, to be made a people. It's incredible. And that's our motivation. You can go back and watch part one if we need to uh, go over everything again. You're just going to have to watch the part one all over again. We don't have time to go back over it. And so we said we were going to read Matthew chapter 25. So let's go ahead and get that ready. I'm going to read uh, verses 14 through 30. Now, this is the parable of the talents, and it sounds a little random for me to read, admittedly, um, as we're talking about holiness, but I I pray it's going to make sense. Um, Where am I? There's a lot of stuff going on here with this study. Four. Now, this is Yeshua talking, of course. He just gave the parable of the ten virgins, and now he's talking about the parable of talents. It is just like a man about to go on a journey. It, what? The kingdom of heaven. He called his own slaves and he entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner the one who had received two gained two more, but he who received the one went away. And he dug it in the ground and did his and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those slaves came and he settled accounts with them. Verse 20, the one who had received five came and brought five more. Master, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more talents for you. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one also who had received the two came up and said, You entrusted to me two talents. I have gained two more for you. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24, And the one also who had received the one came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow, gathering where you scattered no seed, and I was afraid. And I went away, and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy servant! You knew that I reap where I don't sow, and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten. For to everyone who has, shall, who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. In verse 30, the, the culmination of the parable, 
Cast out the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's talk about this for just a little bit. Um, because I want to I want to make note of the of the verbiage that Yeshua used here. The servant that had nothing to do with what was um, that did nothing with with what was given to him said that he saw his master as a hard man. This is this is going to cause us hopefully my desire is to cause us to really look with deep introspection into our heart about how we see God. You know, I don't say God anymore because God could mean any number of things. But how we see Yahweh, the God of the Bible, is of utmost importance when we're talking about holiness. Who is he? We talked about that just in the last um, podcast. His awesome works. Who is like him? Full of mercy, full of compassion. I'm, I'm undoing in redefining a lot of who he is in, in my own heart. And so to use this parable, Yeshua is saying that, that the one who just hid in fear with the one talent that he was given saw his master as a hard man. Now, now what is this and what does it matter? The servant said they saw his, his, his master as this, to use the, the, the text correctly. He, he saw him as harsh, stern, stiff, and an offensive, violent one. Okay? Now, now, I why am I saying this? I would say that this is how many people view Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament. I had that understanding in my life. Now, I knew he was kind and merciful through Jesus, but I was always just taught through general Christian doctrine. And I'm not saying this was ever said word for word. But, but the undertone of everything was God was just an angry, vengeful, wrath-fueled, and filled God back then. And so he, he became flesh and dwelled among us as a gentle baby and a kind, benevolent man. So that we could kind of tolerate him or, or, or stand him, I guess, or be close to him now because he's, he's man. He's like us. He's, he's attainable. He's tangible. He's changed. He's different. And so somehow we have, by looking through um, Christians, Christianity's Jesus, I would, I would present, is it possible? You check your heart. You, you know, I don't. You may not know yet, but if you ask the question, I believe Holy Spirit will illuminate your understanding and show you an answer. Is it possible that you have inappropriately seen Yahweh to be someone he is not, as a, as a hard, harsh, stern, stiff, offensive, violent one. Why would we say that? Well, because, because we don't understand him rightly and thereby do nothing with what he has, has given us. We, we just bury his, his gift to us, his mercy, his compassion, his grace, even his imputed righteousness that we get through through faith in, in, in his son, Yeshua, we bury it in the ground because we're terrified of him in an improper way. Fearing Yahweh is right, good, and, 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 and correct if biblically executed. But this cowering fear where we're so afraid he's going to do something because of his harshness, so we just bury what we have been given and sit on it in fear, hoping he doesn't come back. Oh, don't be angry with me. 
I hope I didn't make a mistake with the talent you gave me. I would say that it's very possible that in our misunderstanding of our master, we have viewed what he assigned to make us holy, as he is holy, as a burden from an angry God. His Torah, his law, his ways. For many of us, not you, for us, you hear law. And there's something in us as ones who were raised in the in the bubble of Christianity. Oh, 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 the law. Oh, the law. Oh, oh, it just, right? It invokes some sting in some poor doctrine we've been taught where, where Paul and others like him just came and told us how bad the law was. <laughs> I know I'm not alone in that. I have met dozens, if not hundreds of people over the last three years who, who have expressed similar things, just like I just said, of feeling that, yeah, I still cringe when I hear the word law. <laughs> but we can't get away from men like David, whose men whose heart was after Yahweh himself. I love your law. I love your ways. I love your commands. We're a million miles from that, are we not? So is it possible that we have been like this, this lazy and wicked servant? Yes, yes. We've been taught to ignore his prescribed ways and commands because they were a set of rules for another people, not us. And why does, why, why does this have anything to do with holiness? Well, everything, everything. Because there is a prescribed way to be holy as he is holy, friends. And let's just be honest. The, the wide way Christian majority is not accomplishing holiness in any way. There is no sacred space. There is no set-apart, consecrated holiness. There is, there is morality, yes. We talked about that in part one a bit. But we are not talking about mere morality or what your denomination says is good or holy. We don't have the right to define holiness, friends. We don't. And we don't have to. We have been told what pleases our Heavenly Father. And what I'm saying is, I believe we've been given it and we've squandered it because we have believed the lie that it's not applicable to us anymore. In other words, through Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we can accomplish holiness on our own now. We have something that those who lived way back then didn't have, and so I can just do it now. Well, how do you do that, friend? Well, I read my Bible more. I, you know, and we make these own lists, and we forget the prescribed way that has already been given. It's already been given to us <laughs> from Yahweh's very mouth about what we are to do and how we are to live to be a holy, consecrated people unto himself, his literal possession. That is possible for us today. So, I would say, this worthless and lazy, lazy servant is cast away into outer darkness because he's been guilty of wasting what the Master has given. And we have to reckon with this and ask ourselves, are we doing this in any way in our lives? Any of us, myself included, of course, to be clear. Am I squandering the grace and the mercy and all the gifts I've been given in, 
in the blood of Yeshua and, and the regenerative work that it is did produce and is producing in me now today, in my misunderstanding and misinterpreting and and importantly defining who Yahweh the Father is, am I am I just burying that in fear because I I feel like there's no way to please him because he is so harsh, stern, offensive, and violent? I would say this is possibly applicable to many of us. Now, it's very easy to look back in the Old Testament and see holiness defined. It is so easy. It is all over, all over the scriptures. So, it has to be in the New Testament as well, does it not? It is. So, let's peer into the future a little bit. We're going to jump all the way over uh, to, to the future tense, biblically speaking, to when a Babylonian mindset is in place upon mankind. And we could very easily say that's, of course, now. <laughs> Um, and so let's, since we just read Matthew 25, let's stay there. What is immediately following the parable of the talents? I love how Holy Spirit uses the word of God to bring these things all together in an order that I, I don't have the ability to do in my own self. So immediately following the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, we see a prophesied judgment. What will happen? Well, we see Yeshua himself separating one from another. And he is doing a, a distinguishing, okay? He tells us, quote, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, a future date, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So, so the King of all kings, Yeshua Messiah, is sitting enthroned, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another. Okay? I'm telling you, Please, please pay attention to every verse we're going to read from now until the end, which will probably be, probably be at least 50 or 60, to the theme of separation. It is all over the Word of God. So he's going to be separating these nations, one from another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he, Yeshua, will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, without getting into it, how do we define ones who are blessed of the father? Those who keep his commandments, those who walk in his ways. That is the, that's the Old Testament 4,000 times over. Want to be blessed? Walk in my ways. <laughs> Who are sheep? Who are goats? Who says? Me? You? <laughs> Church leadership? Christian denominational doctrines? Who, who tells us? Yeshua. Yeshua himself will be the one separating. Period. When he sits upon his throne, he alone will separate. Again, Yeshua, not ironically, our good shepherd said if we love him, we keep his commands. We must be the sheep, and we must be the sheep who hear his commands and obey. The Shema reality that we follow through all the scriptures that we talk about with great regularity. His commands, we know, are the Father's. <laughs> he had none of his own. Yeshua did not show up with any new command ideas. He didn't need any. 
His sheep do what? They know his voice. We know the word of God, people. You probably know it better than I do. I even know that. My sheep know my voice. And what does the good shepherd speak? The words of the Father. The words of the Father. Now, I will go as far as saying that I'm becoming more and more convinced that Torah is the distinguishing seal upon Yahweh's people. It's it's a tough, it's a long road to get there of explanation. And I'm not fully... I'm not fully equipped yet with the understanding of, of just painting that as a clear picture for anyone I would present that to, um, to be clear. But I'm becoming, personally, I'm becoming more and more convinced that, that this, this is the distinguishing seal. Is, are the ones who, who are dedicated to, to his Torah, to his ways, his prescribed way. I won't even get into all the reasons why. There's there's no time for that, and I probably don't even have the capability yet to explain that well. But just one reason of many is, is Deuteronomy chapter 6. And, and this clearly tells us that his Torah will be a sign on the foreheads and hands of, of his people. Okay, it, it, it is a mark, it is a sign. Now, we've already talked about, even in recent episodes, about how his Sabbaths are a sign, a mark upon his people. You want to know that you're my people and you want everybody else to know you're my people? Keep my Sabbaths. (laughs) Show up for my Moedim, my appointed times, my feasts. It's very simple. It's so simple. I don't know how in the world I've missed this my whole life. So again, to follow the continuity of the entire Bible, in Revelation chapter 13, we're told that, that the beast forced those that are not already marked to what? Take a mark. Where is it, friends? Let's just, so many of you know this and have known this for 30 years, but there are many of us that don't know this. I've known it for a while, but it's still good to just keep remembering because it, it, it helps me to grow and to mature and, and be sober. And it helps others who have never really put it together before. So again, in Revelation 13, we're almost at the culmination of all the ages. The beast force, forces people to get a mark. Where? On their head and on their hand. This is, of course, no coincidence. It's the same place that Yahweh says, if you're my people, my Torah will be on your hand and on your forehead. No coincidence. So we will either simply put, be marked by Yahweh, sealed, or marked by everything that's anti-Messiah, which the Bible tells us is biblically defined as lawlessness. Okay? Like, again, this is so simple now. I I literally... I, I don't know how many times I say this generally to myself. I'm, I'm studying and I'm just down here and man, I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I literally set my Bible down. I'll be like, why in the world did I never see this before? How could I have never known this myself? I'm not talking about why didn't Pastor Bob tell me that back in 1991? I'm putting it on me. Why in the world? Father, how have I been so ignorant by a dictionary's definition? I'm ignorant of these of many of these things. Praise the Father, I'm not as ignorant as I used to be. <laughs> There's hope for all of us. If I can understand these things, friends, surely you can. And so it's continuity. We're, we're seeing this sign on the hand and the forehead and this Torah that's marked upon Yahweh's people. We're going to be marked. We're going to be marked. We will be marked. Sealed. One's lawlessness, one's law. Let's keep it as simple as we know how. (laughs) There's one law, friend. 
There's one. <laughs> uh, lawless, lawlessness is easy. There's a bazillion different lawlessness options, but there's one law. So we know from the Bible's teaching on double-mindedness that man cannot possess two marks. You just can't. You're one or the other. You're hot, you're cold, you're in, you're out. You're Yahweh's or you're not. <laughs> one is lawful obedience and one is lawlessness, period. Interestingly, in, in light of, of what I'm presenting, when does Messiah tell us about this separating that he will be doing? <laughs> Immediately after the parable of the talents. Again, I'm just saying, is this coincidence? Does this just happen to be how... How uh, it was recorded down in the Gospels? Ah, ah, this is just what comes to mind right now. Yeshua said this, and yeah, then a couple days, what was that, Tuesday at, at 10.30? Yeah, he said to the multitude that. No, friend, this word of God is assembled for a purpose the way that it is. All the troubles and translations we have, it, it still accomplishes a supernatural purpose. So, right after the parable of the talents, what does he reference? paraphrased, what will you do with what you were given? What will you do with it? What did you do with your righteousness that you had imputed to you because of faith now? What did you do? Did you pursue holiness? The action of becoming holy as I am holy. Um, and even one thing worth mentioning, I wrote off a little sidebar here. Look into Revelation chapter 9. Um, there, there's a seal of, of Yahweh on their foreheads and and I think it's, I don't know, it's, it's angels. I can't remember. I don't want to misquote it. But like basically those in Revelation chapter 9 who have the seal of Yahweh on their foreheads are marked and they, they can't be touched. They can't be affected by plagues and all the other things that are coming to the earth. Friends, we must be marked. And I'm telling you, keeping the law of Yahweh Elohim is his mark, his seal upon us. As crazy as that sounds coming out of my own mouth, as I'm learning and learning and learning and devouring this word of God in measure, I'm seeing it clearly. It's all throughout from beginning to end in this word of God. I want to be sealed. I want to be set apart. I want to be holy as he is holy. Ugh. I would submit that this is not a stretch to present that, at least in part, Yeshua is saying, Did you become holy as Father is holy by following his covenantal commands that seal and mark his people? What did you do with what you were given? Did you become holy as he is holy, or did you receive the gift of salvation and righteousness and bury it in the ground and sit on it because you've not properly seen Father? He's too hard. He's too severe. Or did you move out and take action? Properly understanding that he has been, is now, and always will be an Elohim full of compassion towards his people. A rewarded servant who what? Who is even given more. More responsibility. Even more talents taken from the one who sat on it and did nothing. And, and, and I have to say this. I have to mention this. In light of Torah, because I know there's people right now, their their fingers are hovering over the mouse clicker. Uh, I don't know if I want to give this guy another 30 seconds. So let me let me use the last 30 seconds as you're making that decision well. Now, Deuteronomy chapter 30 tells us something very important. I talk about it on the program all the time because this changed my life. Yahweh's commanded Torah is not too much for us. It's not too much for us. 
We cannot believe the Christian doctrine lie that says Jesus came because no one was capable of keeping Torah. To use a real deep Hebrew word, it's hogwash. It's hogwash, y'all. It's not true. I think I've shared this before. I was in a Bible study gathering of just awesome people, just wonderful Christian men and women and children. I didn't know hardly any of them. I went because the Father told me to go. In the, in the beginning of the gathering was tonight we're going to talk about how the law was abolished and how Yeshua fulfilled the law. We're going to read Romans and talk about how Paul tells us that the law was a burden no man could keep. And friends, I mean this in, in seriousness, even though I'm chuckling. I had to say something. I let the whole meeting go. I waited over an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and I just said, I have. I think he even asked me, Joel, do you have any input, brother? I do. It's not true. It's not true. And that's what I mean when I'm, why am I reading the parable of the talents? Because that's a component of it. We have perpetuated a lie that says our father's so harsh, he's so hard that somehow, even though it makes no sense whatsoever, Yahweh gave us a law that man could not keep. Friends, seriously, how ridiculous is that? And why does this matter? Everything, because we're talking about how in the world do we know what holiness is? How do we become set apart? How do we become holy as he is holy? Well, I'm saying he has told us how. And so it's of utmost importance. It is entirely connected. Yahweh would not give us a law that we cannot keep. That is not sovereign fairness. It's not justice. He would never do that. We're going to read some of Revelation 18 coming up next. Exodus 12. 1 Peter 1. We're going to be all over the place. We've got so much to go. Oh my gosh, so much to go. But I'm sticking to my notes for the most part, so there's hope for us. Spread it out as you need to. I'm no, I'm no scholar. I'm no teacher. I don't know much, and I mean that in humility. I mean that for real now. I don't know much. There are men, again, I say this all the time. There are men that could recite all of this verbatim for the Word of God with ease, and that is not me. It's just not. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. May the, may the Lord speak through his word. May, the, may, may Father illuminate truth. Of if, if there's ten things that I have said in, in the first two parts of this that are true, may he light them on fire in your heart, friend, and burn up everything else that's not true. That's our goal. That's our trajectory anyway. Our hope is in him, not in ourselves. So what are we talking about? Holiness. Is it imputed and given to us as a gift, or is it something that's added to our lives with our determination our literal will to please the Father via his prescribed way. I'm proposing it's the latter according to the word of God. It's up to you to decide. But if, if you believe it's an imputed gift that's just given to you and you're just, boom, holy, we need, to have, we need to have scriptures that tell us that. And it has to be a pattern from front to back that makes that clear as day. And I do not see that myself. So let's search the word of God and let it tell us what is true and what is not. Much more scripture reading, very little commentary coming up in part three. So would you tune back in? This is the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for watching. Amen.